So let's learn the words of Yerucham together. Das Taira, Parshas Vayikra, starting Taira's Kehanim. So the Pasuk says on the bottom of page Zion here, Vishisa Isa B'chnafav, that you should split it with the wings. Meaning it's talking about a, an, an ayla that was brought from a bird. There's sometimes you can bring a bird offering uh, that's an ayla. And what the Kayin does is he sort of snaps the bird, uh, he breaks the spine, um, but keeps the, uh, keeps the, the, the wings and, and everything, and the skin is still intact, everything is together, he just breaks the spine, and then he throws it into the fire and he burns it, that's the Ayla. So Rashi says, Naitza Mamish, that... You uh, that the the feathers of the uh, of the of the bird uh, remains on it, and in that's thrown. You don't defeather it. You just throw the whole bird into the fire, put it into the fire, and that's the carbonyla. So Rashi says, There's no person, he says, no normal individual that's able to tolerate the disgusting smell that comes out of a bird, of a bird's wings that are being burnt with their feathers. I've never tried this, but if you burn uh, feathers uh, as part of the wing of a bird, you just take a wing with all its feathers and you put it in the fire, apparently it has like a really, really foul smell, pardon the pun, couldn't resist. Uh, but it has a uh, it has a very bad odor, and So why does the Torah say then that you should burn it? You should burn it on the on the mizbeach. Like what's going on? Is that normal? We try to always make the aveda and the beis hamikdash in the most uh, in the most beautiful way possible, in the in the most kashav way possible, in the most regal way possible. The whole Beis Hamikdash was supposed to bespeak royalty, and uh, the, the Gemara always says that there's no uh, poverty in, in a place of wealth. You don't go into Buckingham Palace and they're using you know, paper cups. Like, you know, everything is done fancy, and that's how it is in the Beis Hamikdash. All of a sudden, when it comes to this bird, we seem to be doing the opposite. We're taking something that's really vulgar smelling. And disgusting, and you're and you're allowing that to be thrown into the fire, and and have that reach, which is the opposite of reach nichayach, burning in the Beis Hamikdash in the Mishkan. It seems to be, you know, count, contrary to everything that we know about the Mikdash. And the answer that Rashi gives is Kadeshi Hamizbeach Sava Umahodar Bekarbanei Shalani. The reason is that the mizbeach should be satisfied and and be beautified with the carbon of an ani. Meaning, who's the one that's bringing this carbon? It has to be an ani. If it was an asher, an asher doesn't bring a bird. An asher goes and brings a you know very fancy behema. Uh, he's not bringing a bird as an ayla. He's bringing a, he's bringing an expensive animal. Who brings a who brings an ayla? A poor person, a person that can't afford. Uh, first class or business class, he brings the he brings the economy class uh, type of carbon, which is a bird. So the mizbeach says Rashi 
is very satisfied. It gets a lot of pleasure and delight um, by the offering that an ani brings to it. And obviously this needs a lot of Hezber, and Rabbi Rucham gives an amazing, beautiful pshat. Hamikra l'lamdeinu Says Rabbi Rucham, the Pasuk is coming to teach us something very fundamental. Miteva ha'adam ki is'aneg negidim the way of people are is that we like being around people that are very fancy people, people that live well. Uh, you know, if, you, if you're invited to somebody's uh, house for Shabbos and they have like a beautiful house and beautiful uh, food and, and, you know, all types of fancy stuff, People like that. You like you like rubbing elbows with a, with the rich people, with with the more celebrated, more fancy people. Asher bigdeim nechmadim who wear beautiful clothing lamara v'saivim nefesh kol merichayim and and uh, to smell them is to be very you know. I remember there was a guy where I grew up and you know he always he always wore this uh, really expensive cologne. And I love like shaking his hand on, on, on Friday night because like, and I just like smell like my whole Friday night, I just like smell as, smell the perfume still on my hand. It's, you know, it's fancy, it's geschmack, it like it's spitz. So people like that. People like being around, uh, you know, wealthy people, fine people, people that are aristocratic, noble people. That's the way it is. But that's not their same reaction when they bump into an ani. And the ani's clothing is torn and it's worn out. It's dirty. It's difficult when you're standing next to such a person to even stand next to him. And certainly, it's hard for a person, says Rebiruchim, to be civil a person's smell. Sometimes, you know, there are people that are, you know, aniyim and they're collecting money and they clearly have not showered for a very long time and their clothing has not been washed for a, many, for a very long time and they, they reek, they smell. You smell them like a mile away and then they're coming close and you're like getting like really like, you know, you can't. You love being around people that are fancy and nice and spritzy and nice suit and nice tie and you know and smell good. But like when it's when you're around people that are have dirty clothing and, and ripped clothing and it's like there's something about human nature that just finds it a very very repulsive experience. and you sort of want to just stay away from that person. By sometimes, like, maybe you have no choice even, but, like, you have to, like, you know, close your nose, put your fingers over, over your nose to, like, so that you don't have to smell this person because it's so putrid. But the path of Hashem on which we're commanded to follow, you learn from these... Carbonis, the opposite. I mean, you think that Sefer Vayikra 
and has nothing really to offer me. Like, Bereshus is full of stories about Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov and Yosef and, uh, you know, all of the, all the great stories in Bereshus and Shemais Hazitzias Mitzrayim and Mantaira, great. But Vayikra, you know, I don't know, what, what is it, what do you learn from Vayikra already? Uh, some Karbanas and some, it's, it's a hard, you know, Menachas and, and, and Eilas and Shlamim and uh, uh, it's not for me. But it is for you because you can gain a lot. There's a lot of drush and there's a lot of musr that can be taken from Sefer Vayikra. And this is like a primary example of it. That you see that Akrish Baruch ways are much different than human beings' ways. Allah dafka lis karev samachlai. Akrish Baruch wants to get near that ani. Vesam mi'il shaloi gamikach biyadav. And it's almost like a Kaddish Baruch Hu is like grabbing his jacket to, to bring it nearer to him. And he can't get enough of smelling him. And he gets pleasure from the smell of the Ani. A person should never say to a poor person, that you find favor in my eye, Listen, I like you a lot, think you're a nice guy, I would give you money, but why aren't you wearing better clothing, cleaner clothing? He says, when a person does that, a person gives to an ani, he says, I'll give you, but... Or I would give you, but you know you have to take a shower, you have to shave, you gotta, you know, take my advice. Like you can't walk around this way. So Rabbi Yerucham says, with by saying that, I guess you're saying it not in a really, you know, you're saying it more in a, in a, you know, in a not nice way. He says whatever money you give this guy, it's not worth. You're not getting any schar for it. You've lost everything because you have no right to say that. You have no right to tell him that. You know that you should wear better clothing. You should you should you should clean yourself more. He says, really, what a person who's a tzaddik should do, and we'll tell a story about this soon, is that you should dafka want to smell the ani. You should want it. Shouldn't bother you. You should be able to embrace the ani. You should never get enough of him. You should put him at the head of your table. Because you should know that is with him. Meaning, is with those people that are crushed, those people that are depressed, that are lowly. If you're Machabi Diani, as Hashem Machabi, you're really being Machabi Hashem because Hashem is the champion of the Ani. And if you despise him, Yeda Asmi Humamais, you should know who you're really despising. Asmi Hashem is Beach Sava Umuhodrimenu. You have to choose teams in life. If you're choosing the team of anti-Ani, then you're obviously not on the same team as the Rabbani Shalom because the Rabbani Shalom is pro-Ani. The Rabbani Shalom loves the Ani. The Rabbani Shalom wants to smell even that foul odor that comes out of the Ani's wings with feathers, the carbon that he brings. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gets tremendous nachas ruach from that. He gets, he, 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 he's satiated from that. 
So if we want to align ourselves with the Rabbeinu Shalom, we have to learn somehow how to, how to tolerate an Ani, and not only tolerate him, but maybe even embrace him, and maybe even uh, try to make him feel great about himself, because that's what the Rabbeinu Shalom does. They say a, a, a great story about a, uh, a very great Talmud Chacham. His name is Rav Mendel Kaplan. Rav Mendel Kaplan, who Art Scroll, by the way, has a biography about him called Rav Mendel and His Wisdom. So he was, a, uh, he was born in, in Lithuania, in, in Eastern Europe, and um, he was a Chavrusa with... He was a Talmud, I think, of Rebbe Chan Basserman. He learned by Chavrusa, Rebbe Chan Basserman's son. He was a genius. And then he came to America... I don't know exactly what year. First, he was in Chicago. I think he was Rosh Riva in Skokie in Chicago. And then he eventually went to Philadelphia Yeshiva. And in Philadelphia Yeshiva, he became like one of the Ramam in the Yeshiva, one of the senior Magidishir there. And in fact, Dr. Sokol, who uh, the dean is, uh, he's, he learned in Philadelphia. He happened to have learned B'chavrusa a little bit. He learned with, uh, with her Mendel Kaplan. Um, I forgot what they learned. Some... I don't know, some philosophical safer. Um, but he was a genius. He was, uh, he was a genius. And he was, but more than a genius, he was a tzaddik. And yeah, a lot of great stories about him. My favorite story that's told in that book is that he, um, he basically, after he was nifter, so there was like a very heavy, um, I think she was an Irish woman, who, a Gaish woman who lived on, on his block, and he, she came to Menachem Avel, uh, his Rebetzin, his Almana. So she came in and she said, I want, to, I want you to know something. Your husband, your husband was not a, a regular person. Your husband was an angel. She said, one day I was coming out of my house, and she, was, she would walk every day to like a diner to have like breakfast, you know, whatever she had. Obviously, she had a very big breakfast, and uh, and she was uh, and it was snowing. It was like a real snowstorm in Philadelphia, I think it was. And she uh, and Remendo, you know, said, "Mary." He, he rolled down his window. Says, "Mary, let me give you a lift." It was a few blocks away. It was it was deep snow, and he had to go to Davin. He had to go to Yeshiva or something. But still, he. He took her to the diner a couple of blocks away in the snow. He drove her. And then when she came out, like whenever it was an hour later, he had waited for her. This is like a, a, a major Rosh Hashiva, huge Tamil You know, he waited for her like for an hour. And then he, he rolled down the window and said, Mary, I'm, come, let's go. I'm going to give you a ride home. And he drove her home. And she said, your husband wasn't a human being. Your husband was an angel. Your husband was like Lamaila. So, one of the mices that's brought in in this, in this book about Remendel was that, actually, I don't know if it's brought in the book, but I read it somewhere else, I think, that he used to invite on Shabbos, uh, he had a family, Baruch Hashem, and then he also invited Aniyim. But the Aniyim that he invited were not like just Stam, like, you know, they, they smelled, like they really, like he, he pulled them out of the street. He found a yid, like a, a bum, like that was like, 
you know, on the sidewalk or whatever, like homeless people, and he would just like bring them into into his home and uh, and give them cholent and feed them personally, and he gave them you know some warmth and zmiras, and he gave them Shabbos. So, Remendel Kaplan's daughter, um, she once told her father, she said, listen, Tati, I love you, and I know that you're the world's biggest tzaddik, I know there's nobody greater than you, and I understand that you're inviting these poor people to the house, you're making it nice for them, Shabbos, and it's chesed, and it's, it's wonderful. She says, but I can't, I can't do it anymore, I can't smell that smell. They have, They smell like they have not. They have not taken a shower in months. Their clothing reeks. Uh, it's dirty. It's. It's. You know. They're just not. It's not Shabbos for me. Like I want to be normal. I want to be like my friends. I want to be able to to have a meal with my family without having to gag every time I try to eat something. It's not a crazy tainan that she had. It makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, it makes sense. It's something that's very rational. And listen to what Mendel told him. And Mendel says, you know what, you're a thousand percent right, you're a million percent right. It smells, and you're right, and, and it's not geschmack. He says, but, he says, who's to say that we smell so good to the Rabbi Shalom? Who's to say that we smell so good? Why, because we take showers every day, we, we use soap, shampoo, like that, that. But spiritually, like maybe we stink, maybe... Our Averis make us like like really putrid to the Rabbi Shalom. And maybe, just maybe, when we go up to Shamayim, the Rabbi Shalom is going to say, Feh, like, I, I can't have the, this thing. Like, I, I, you can't come into Shamayim. But maybe because we were able to be Saival, these poor people and their smells, when they smell the way that they do, maybe HaKadosh Baruch Hu will possibly have a little Rachmanis on us and allow us to come in to Shamayim, regardless of the fact that we smell so bad. That was his, uh, that was what he said. Uh, Rebel Yisvei, who was the Rashiva Philadelphia, used to say this every year by Ne'ila. He used to always quote this, uh, this vart that, that Remendel used to say to his daughter, and, you know, because it's true. Like, we don't, you know, physical things are not always so, so indicative of everything. Sometimes you can have a guy that smells beautiful, you know, one of these guys with a cologne all over, all over their bodies and, you know, and, and fancy suits. And, you know, there's nothing really great about them. There's, you know, sometimes. Sometimes, you know, sometimes they're big tzaddikim, but sometimes they're risham, and it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. But... In Shamayim, like we're going to see, like who smells really good and who doesn't. But in this world, we have to try as best as we can to be seival aniim, to be to be hospitable to aniim. That if you have an ani that comes to your door, you know, to give him something to eat, something to drink, to give him a nice check, to give him a nice smile, make him feel good about himself. If you can invite him for Shabbos, you know that's amazing. But like you know. That's that's already a big madriga, but just not to like run away from him, and not to like make like make him feel bad because of his smell, and he's aware of it, but like he doesn't want he doesn't need you to tell him about it. Um, I'll tell you a story that um, you know, just reminded me because it's um, Just one one of these uh, lines in, uh, that when we were reading it together, um, 
just jog my memory. Uh, you should put the Ani at the head of the table. You should sit him up front, like bring him to the dais. That's where the Ani belongs. Don't like throw him in the back. You should bring him up to the front. So when I read that line, I remembered uh, what happened to me uh, by my Afruf. I had a beautiful Afruf, Baruch Hashem, my parents made for me. Um, and uh, I was in Long Beach, and uh, it was in the summer. So I had, I had my friends, we had our own table. My parents had, had their table, you know, and whatever. It was a nice crowd. And um, sitting, schmoozing, enjoying the meal, Shabbos day. And all of a sudden I see that there is a man who came into the, into the social hall of the shul where the, where the suda was. And he looked like a real homeless person. He was like, I never saw him before and I never saw him after. He was like, a, he had a red beard and red, red hair and like one of those fake yarmulkes and, you know, that, and, and, you know, and he just came in. He was like looking around. And my mother should live and be well, you know, who is like, I think she's a Sadiq Zadar, but she went over to him, uh, and I saw her go over to, to him, and, and then a second later, you know, she's walking him in my direction, and I'm like, what's she doing? And, and uh, she basically has the caterer set, like a, an extra setting right next to me, and she puts him right next to me, and like all my friends are at this table, you know, and and he reeked. He really smelled very badly, but he was a very nice guy, and he was in heaven. Like he was put mamish v'yashivenu etzle b'roishal chana. He was sitting next to the chassan. He was eating nicely. He normally, what happens when Ani comes into a shul? If you're normally, you either say, you know, I'm sorry, it's a private party. Or if you're a tzaddik gummer, you, you, you get him a plate of food and you have him eat in like another room somewhere, you know, away from everybody else. My mother took him and she put him mamish right next to me. And, you know, we, we brought him into the conversation and we, you know, and, and he was like having, you know, the soup and the main and the whatever. And he was singing and he was like, he, he was an Ilam Haba. And... You know, I always say that, like, if I'm zeichet to anything, if I have, you know, if I am zeichet pliyainara to, you know, to mazel in, in anything, I think it's that one maisa that tipped the scales. You know, that when I was getting married, like, starting that chapter in my life, that I was, I had that nisayan, you know, and, and I passed it. Uh, you know, when you make an Ani feel good about themselves, like, you don't know, like, maybe that was only Anavi, you don't know, like, you know, what, what the, the dividends of that are. But just even, even in this world. But it's very important, like, you should never, ever, you know, be that, you know, those old men in shul that start screaming at an Ani and being disgusting to him and saying, you know, we don't want you in shul or you have no right to collect and didn't you see the sign that says no collecting during service. And I, I know that it's not, it's not comfortable when, a, when an Ani comes and puts a, you know, starts jiggling his chain, change in front of your face while you're saying Kriyashma. But, and, and, and they shouldn't be doing that. They should wait till after davening. That's not, I guess, debatable. But, what is debatable is how we react to that. These are human beings. These are not people. They are not aliens from outer space. 
They're not subhumans. They might need money. They might not smell so great. They might not look as fancy. They might not have a, a normal job. We're not allowed to degrade anyone. Anyone. We can't degrade anybody. You know, anybody. But um, these are people that are needy. These are people that the Rabbani Shalom sent our way for us to be, to, to be Zaycha through them. The Gemara says that, I think in Chelek, the Gemara says that why did, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves Aniyim, why did he make them poor? And, and the Gemara says that it's in order to be Mezaka the Ashirim. They're, they're suffering so that people that have money have this chus to give it to them. So when you look at an Ani, you have to really be very careful. You have to have new eyes for Aniyam. You can't, don't ever, if you're a Talmud of, of this yeshiva, you should never be that guy in shul someday, you know, screaming at Ani, barking at Ani, telling him that he has to get out of shul. I see that all the time. You know, you go into every, to, nor, to regular shul, shuls, at least the shuls that I go to for some reason, and like people are always yelling at Aniyam, and it's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You want, you want the roles to be reversed? think it's easy for this guy? I think he, he, he has Hanak coming in to a strange shul and, and asking for, for, for a handout. It must be Gehenim for him. It is Gehenim for him. So, so cut him some slack. Like, Hashem, what do you want from the guy? So when we have an opportunity to, to give to, to Aniyim, then, you know, we have, to, we have to embrace that opportunity. We have to make them, and if we don't have money to give, then we have to give them COVID. We have to give them a smile. We have to give them a little food, get them, get them some coffee or something. But you can't belittle anybody. You can't berate anybody. That's not what the Rabbi Hashem wants. The Rabbi Hashem is teaching us in Parshas Vayikra, in the middle of the Karbanis, how the Ani's carbon is so chashetim that any smell, the most foulest smell in the world, is beautiful, it's sweet to the Rabbi Shalom. And that's how we have to, we have to look at Aniyim and, and, and feel their pain and try to commiserate with them, be nice to Baal Chaveirai, and, and that way we'll be Zaycha through them. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I just want to double down on what I spoke about this morning, and I, I, you might get very, like, uh, sick and tired of, of hearing me, you know, with this appeal, and I apologize, but it's, I really, you know, want to make this uh, $50,000 goal. It's so important. We have an opportunity. It's not much what we just spoke about. You know, they're on Neum. These are on Neum. I mean, they're refugees, but they're, they're, there's no more abject poverty than what the people, the Yidden that are in Ukraine now or the people that have recently gone, gotten out of Ukraine, there's no bigger on They imagine for a second, I don't want to haunt anybody or give anybody nightmares, but imagine for a split second if this was us, if like you have to pack up whatever, like in a bag, you have to pack up your belongings from your house, probably abandon everything that's in your house, you'll probably never ever be able to get back again because it's either going to be bombed or it's going to be looted by, uh, by, by whoever takes over the country. And now you've got to you know, grab your kid in one hand and your, and your, your old mother in the other hand and you've got to like, find a bus, get out, of po- get out of Ukraine with bombs and with tanks and with you know, crazy stuff going on all around you. Then you got to go and start your whole life brand new. Your kid is crying. They don't have a diaper. They don't have Simulac. They don't have anything. And, you know, and people are dying. It's just, you know, like, it's just not normal. 
It's the, the, imagine that if that was you, Chas Hashem, or me. It's not, you can't fathom that. But wouldn't you want that if there's Yidin in, in another part of the world that have money and they have power and they have influence, that they should be able to take care of, take, take care of us? Wouldn't that, would, would, how would we feel knowing that there are people that are living it up, you know, eating well, sleeping well, you know, playing ball, going, you know, having mesivas and tishin and, you know, and, and, and shabbosim and everything is normal. How would we feel? Like, are they our brothers or not? Like, they're, they just forgot about us? That's exactly what, what's going on right now in the world. We're in positions that HaKadosh Baruch Hu benches. You think it's a given? What, what do we do? Because we're American citizens, that means that it's a given that we always live, live well and can never happen to us. And, you know, people in different parts of the world, they're, you know, it doesn't work that way. There's the, the, it's a galgal So we have to try to do everything that's in our power to raise as much money in the next few days to reach our goal. Baruch Hashem, we're doing very well. We have, uh, I mean, last I checked, it was about $8,400. It's within eight hours. It's pretty good. We're averaging like $1,000 an hour. So after 50 hours, it should be good. Um, I hope people in California, it's a show overnight, continue uh, doing what they're doing. But we're doing well, but we really have to make this appeal. And I know it's uncomfortable asking family and friends and, and uncles. And, and I know it's something that, you know, I don't like doing it myself. I hate doing it, in fact. And, you know, and I know that you don't want to do it. But it it's, it's shows that we have an achrayas. It teaches us that we have to take responsibility, even at young ages, to, to, for people that are our brothers and our sisters. And if we do this, if we, if we really rise to the occasion, then we'll feel so good about ourselves, besides for all the good that we've done, but we'll feel like we'll look at, look at ourselves different. We'll, be, we'll, we'll feel special. We'll feel like we rose to the occasion. We, we passed that Nisayan with flying colors. But... It's, uh, you know, Hashem gave us this opportunity maybe to, to be mezaka us. It's not, they're not the hand. We're, we're the needy people. We're the people that needs chosim. And Hashem is saying, listen, you have an opportunity now to, to get chosim. And, and so just, just make the calls tomorrow by lunch, tonight. You don't have to wait for tomorrow. I'd rather it all be done earlier than, than, than a cluster. I'd rather spread it out. Like, Tonight, like if you could think of somebody, you could call somebody, you can, you know, email somebody, put it on your WhatsApp statuses, just like get the word out, you know, that we're doing this, that we're serious about it, that we need it, and, and time is of the essence. We want to, you know, hopefully maybe by Shabbos we'll be done with the campaign, uh, maybe by Purim, but I'd, I'd really like to, to, to finish this up and we'll, it's, we'll make a tremendous see him when we're able to meet our goal uh, we'll make Hashem a, a, a tremendous simcha and we'll, we will be able to really have a sense of pride in our yeshiva that we're, we're no, no, I don't see any other yeshivas out there doing this on the, uh, on the Aguda you know, website there's yechidim doing it there's communities doing it I think we're the only yeshiva in the world that's, that, that's, that's doing this and I'm very proud of that but it takes I need every single one of you, everyone, without exception. Don't think, I'm not talking to one person and not the other. I'm talking to every one of you, and I'm talking to myself. I've been spending the whole day calling people 
constantly updating my status and, and making sure that, you know, tr- to pump it up. And cl- I'm, I'm busy the whole day with it, literally. I'll probably be up the whole night doing it. And I expect that from you. I really, I don't want to pressure you. If you don't feel comfortable, I can't force you to do something. I don't want to force you to do something. But I want you to feel that it's an important time. It's historic. You'll, you'll remember this moment. And whatever you could do, you know, is appreciated. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to get thousands of dollars. If you get hundreds of dollars, that would be great also. If you get, you know, tens of dollars, that's fine. But like, the more obviously that you could get, the more we'll accomplish, the more closer to our goal we'll reach. And Mitz Hashem, we should all uh, be zeichet to tremendous Yeshuas in our own personal life if we come to the Yeshua of other Yidin. Okay, so.